no one cares what you or I do. They only care what they can get from what you and I do. And that's why we have to flip the script to make it more about them. I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. Welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, a weekly podcast for creatives about the creative process. Learn how to finish what you start, ship your work, and build a business without being the loudest on the block. Less Less noise, noise, more. (sighs) Have you ever wished your website could actually generate more business for you? That when people show up there, they'd understand the problems you solve for them and want to contact you? Well, our guest today helps people do exactly that. Join us for a conversation with copywriter Todd Clark. So you said you grew up in LA and then migrated up to Seattle. What made that happen? Oh, man. I uh, I came out of college with a marketing degree, but then... I, as a salesperson selling neckties um, <laughs> to to department stores, and uh, but then they gave us these computers, and I, com- I I totally automated my territory, and then like sales jumped up, and they wanted me to present that to the whole sales staff uh, nationwide, and I did, and then they said I want to be in your programming department, and they like pat me on the head and on the butt and said, <laughs> oh that's cute, you get back out there and sell. So I I told them forget it, man, and so I. Uh, I uh, locked myself up for six months, learned how to program, and then pointed my car and carcass north to Seattle, and it's been a great ride, and then I decided to get back into marketing. Wow. So what what would you say if I asked you what you do today? What what would your answer be? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I help business leaders get even more clear about their business so that then I can help them clearly explain their business on the web. And so, uh, yeah, and so it's writing their web pages and making their website, particularly their homepage, the best salesperson in the company, period. And not enough people look at their website as something that sells. They think of it as something that's like, oh, it has to be a presence. Or, And people say, oh, my website doesn't do anything. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, you, I was just talking to Bill about how much I love your website. So you you uh, you definitely practice what you preach. It's one of the it's like one of my favorite websites out there because it's oh, so simple, nice. it's clean, it's not trying to be anything, and then the the communication is just so clear and raw. It's not like I don't know, it's not formulaic or super you know copy heavy. You're just kind of talking. Um, I have a, a couple questions about that. I'll just start with a simple one, which is like what, when you're working with your clients, because I think you've been doing this, how long now have you been doing this? About six years. Okay, cool. So you have a, probably a lot of reps under your belt. What are some of like the main things that you're seeing your clients uh, do incorrectly? Mm, great. Good question, Miles. Uh, well, I mean, I got in this, I got in this business with the mission of helping people sound real, not fake with their their messaging. And so what what does real and fake mean? And um, it's using jargon, it's using marketing speak, it's using words and terms that 
that they think their readers know, like we're going to transform the industry or or whatever even in their industry is technical jargon. And I'm like, you can give those post-it notes to 10 people who you think know those terms and you will get varying answers because A, they're broad and they're easy to be uh, misunderstood. And and um, B, even if, even if they did understand them, guys, your brain has to translate it. So I'm all about helping people like pulverize people in the gut with clarity with eighth grade, sixth grade, fifth grade English, words that don't, that require no brain translation, no brain calories, where we do the heavy lifting and connect the dots for the reader. Because they won't. They'll just, instead of stay and scroll, they'll just click and leave your site. And so the marketing speak, the jargon, and then not having a process that allows them to get clear before they write copy. And that is key because that's where a lot of people struggle. They try to mix the two like, oh, what do we write here? And what do we put in this box? And they don't know what the structure is for a story. And at a minimum, like when people say, oh, we do storytelling. And I love asking the question, what does that mean to you? And, and so often they stumble and, and they're like, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, what's it mean to you? Well, uh, and whatever you're going to get in front of someone's eyes, at the minimum, what's the problem? Who's having it? Including how does it make them feel? Uh, what do you do to solve those woes? And what does success look like for them? And the whole thing is, you got to, it's not about we, 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 shame on us for making our businesses about us when it should be about them. And that we, and so at the minimum, those are the components that exist in a story. And we have to flip the bit and write, make it more about them and position them as the hero and our business as the guide, like Yoda. I love that you talked about, um, getting rid of jargon and sort of salesy, markety words. And there was a time when anytime I talked to somebody about copywriting for a website, a sales page, anything, it was almost like you had to include a list of jargony words, you know, for them to say, oh yeah, that's going to work. And in my experience, every time I did anything like that, it didn't work at all. It failed miserably. And I can't, I, I can't see why it wouldn't because I don't like that stuff either. Yeah. And yet everyone's using it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, like a lot of things in life, there's big pockets of things going on and people promoting things and, uh, and other people accepting those things. And, you know, it happens probably to all of us in different aspects of our, of our life. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, luckily, like with SEO, um, that the web, I think maybe part of that existed, Bill, because of, uh, um, you know, let keyword stuffing. Like, let's use all the keywords to get people to our site. And um, luckily now, uh, Google and the like, they like coherent messages. Um, but it's still important to have some of those words. And it's interesting because um, there is SEO on one side, let's say, that you want it, it helps you be findable, right? Because if you use certain terms, it finds you. But if you don't have good copy, then people can find you and they leave as fast as they arrive. So you need something for them to stick, and that's like real words. But I kind of work at the other end of the spectrum where I don't care about SEO. Um, now, that doesn't mean you can't optimize some things, some terms, but every time you do, it dumbs down the copy a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like message first. Then if you can optimize that for SEO, great. Key point. Beautiful. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I like that, I like that approach. Yeah. I've never yeah. been a super technical person with SEO, but I've also seen how 
how powerful it can be. So I'm always just trying to find people to help me with that side of things. Well, you guys um, are real. You, your, your message in, on your site is real. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like to think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, mine's completely fake. I don't mean any of that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a terrible so liar, you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, have you always been a writer? Like, you know, you said that you had a marketing degree, you got into sales, you switched to programming. Were you kind of writing the whole time? Is this something you discovered later? How did that happen for you? What a great question. I have it right on my site in a couple places that um, I'm not a writer. You know, I don't read a lot. I don't. I don't know the difference between a prepositional phrase and prep preparation H. And uh, and if someone wants, um, if someone wants like exact syntax and linguistics, then find someone else. But I know something about psychology, and I know something about being clear and and getting the people's brains and heart. And um, there's always been a clarity streak in me, even throughout my technical career, how I how I uh, wrote use cases, how I managed, how I architected software, how I ran design meetings and and then whatever else I had to write, like user manuals. And I loved it. It was the clarity streak that brought me to where I am now. And the writing is the easy part in a way. It's it, and because really it's about letting go. It's about like letting stuff out and not being afraid. And I think for me, that's. That's what allows me to be a good writer. But again, first, it's doing the linear part up front and putting some structure together. And some of those questions that, you know, what's the problem? Uh, who's having it? How does it make you feel? What does success look like? How do you solve them? Um, uh, and a number of other problem uh, questions. So when you answer those things really clear, you, you kind of do the linear part and you get it out of the way, but it gives you structure. Now you take that and you can focus on the creative and just write. And part of it, like yeah. I said, is really about just letting go. And I would assume part of it, if you have good answers to those questions, it kind of writes itself to some extent. Exactly. That's why yeah. the writing's easier because you you've done the heavier thinking first. I know yeah. as a as a person who has tried many times, um, very unsuccessfully, in the past to <laughs> clarify different aspects of my business. I know I'm not alone. You know, I have a lot of clients who. I ask those questions and they can't answer them or their answers are, oh, you know, not great. useful. Great. Um, how do you unwind that for someone? So someone yeah. wants your help and you ask them, great, what do you do? What's the problem you solve? How do you do oh. it? And they, they stare at you blankly or they give you answers that don't mean anything. How do you go about unwinding, unpacking that with Oh, them. I'm in ecstasy. I love this question. I love it because it is the key. So some of those questions I've already presented to you guys a couple times. Um, I have what's called the fact sheet. And um, I get that in front of someone right away. But even in a sales call, I show them an example of how. And I say, I ask clients to answer a few of these questions. And I tell them, you know, I lean right in the screen like I'm going to tell you. I've never had a client that can answer those questions well at all. Not once. But that's okay, because that's why I'm here. You know, you have ideas in your head. You have things written down on web pages, notes, groupthink. Um, I bring all that together, but then I'm going to tease more out of you. I'm going to make it so that um, uh, you truly understand the big problems you're solving for the world, and yet you might not even know it. I'm going to unpack things, and you're going to have ahas 
in the first couple of days, this process only takes a couple of days and maybe two or three hours of their time. And I lead the way and they're going to have more ahas about their business than they ever have. And if they don't, I'm going to refund you right then and there, which has never happened because it's going to happen. And that's how we get clear before we write. So yes, now what's that skill? I'm not sure, maybe because I was in tech, it was like the five whys, it was different things about lean, how you really unpack or Socratic questioning. So yeah, I seem to have a, a skill that allows me to, to unpack that. And I, and, and I have some guides to help others with that, but I haven't really, I, I, yeah, I think partly it's just uh, it's going deeper and asking why more often and uh and then part of it i guess it's just a skill i'm not even sure how to articulate you're like a clarity coach oh, i call myself sometimes the the minister of clarity <laughs> i love that <laughs> but that's true i i think of myself as that way that's so cool what um where does story fit into all this i, I feel like the word story and storytelling is it became way more popular and for good reason in the past three to five years. And a big part of that was uh, story brand, the book. And um, I think you have a lot of that as an, a main ingredient in your work. Can you talk about that? Like where does story fit in? How do people uh, harness that? Yeah. Uh, just to be, where does story fit in? Where does like story brand you mean specifically though? Like, or just think, in general, yeah. the story or maybe how they both meld. How they both meld would be, I'd be curious to see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Another good question. Uh, miles, um, uh, story brand came into my focus about three years ago and I love it. I think I was doing about 70% of it before. And, uh, then it made some things clear and gave me more impact. And then I decided to take it even further, but story brand is, you know, just for a summary, is like some of the things I mentioned, you know, what's the problem who's having it, including how it makes them feel, what success looks like, what you do, and then other things. But also it, uh, it is it is making it more about them, positioning them as a hero like Luke Skywalker and the business as the guide like Yoda. Because no one cares what you or I do. They only care what they can get from what you and I do. And that's why we have to flip the script to make it more about them. So that's a big part of story brand. Um, and then of course, keeping it simple, it's about clear over clever. Uh, luckily with my business, you know, clients can get both if they have that, if they're willing to let their hair down enough. Um, you know, some industries are more formal, but, um, but even so, like I slap them on the hand when they start using certain terms, um, but they get it. They get it that we've got to unpack those terms because it is important for us to connect the dots for our readers and for our buyers so that they don't have to. Um, so that that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's in a nutshell what story brand and storytelling is. Right. That really clicked, that really connected my dots <laughs> where <laughs> uh, I think that's really what storytelling is at the end of the day. Cause when someone's on a website and especially nowadays there's, it's really noisy out there. And the whole point is to like connect those dots to eliminate obscurity and storytelling is like the oldest form of that. It's, you know, that's a great point, Miles. Um, uh, two points going through my head. So story brand and um, because uh, Donald Miller, I, I think maybe he was a playwright or wrote before he was, you know, created this empire, this clarity empire. And um 
the thing is about like telling a story, like we're saying, the segments of components that I've mentioned a few times, those have been proven like a billion times. Like in hieroglyphics, in every movie we see, every book, you know, there's a villain, there's a guide, there's a problem. Like it's not compelling if you don't. So, so that's already been proven. So, you know, um, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel every time. So that's why you got to have those components. Um, there was one other point there that I lost that you mentioned, but the story, Oh, um, I, I also tell clients that, you know, some, Oh, we're having a hard time figuring out how we're different or, or some say, Oh, we're so different and you need to capture that. Well, two things. One is, um, um, if you feel you're different, again, people don't really care if you're different. What matters is if you're different, it's because you're solving bigger problems or different problems or problems they didn't realize they had because that's what it's all about. So that let's talk about that and figure that out because that's what's going to make you different if you're solving bigger problems than your competitors. But the other thing is that, I, is that you're going to be different because all your competitors sound like 99% of people on the web with the marketing and the jargon, and you're going to sound real clear and honest. And, and one last point about this is that it's really important to empathize right away on whatever we get in front of readers' eyes, this problem. And some people go, oh, that sounds negative. And well, you're missing a critical component because when you can express the problem back to the reader that they're experiencing, it builds trust, it builds credibility, it wins their attention, it lets you know that you understand them. So it's a great way to frame things around the problem or problems so that you can empathize with them immediately. I wonder uh, when you, and you touched on it a second, when you maybe you have uh, some language around the problem and it sounds negative or people get in this process of getting clear about what they do, things are getting languaged in a way they're not used to. Um, do you find any resistance or pushback in your clients around that? And if so, how do you kind of take them through that? Yeah, good question. Um, so I'm going to answer that. But one thing I want to say, uh, like I love being in a business where I put it out there and that, that there's, I don't have these two different facades I have to manage. And I want more people in the world to do this, like your business facade and how you come across the clients and even, even potential ones that, and then, you know, how you talk to your buddies uh, at a, at a tavern with a beer in front of you. To me, it's the same. Like I'm just putting me out in front of the world. So I make it pretty clear beforehand that what they're going to get and that they're going to get like plain English. And I also make it clear that I understand these are new muscles for you, but I'm going to push back when, you know, and if you start saying, well, we got to use this term here and there, you know, I'm going to remind you how we got here and, and that all, there's none of that in my examples. And here's why you want to send. So sometimes there is some resistance, but when I express it to them, and sometimes it takes, you know, a couple times that the reader is not going, you're asking too much of the reader. And, you know, you could tell me to just do what you say, but you're not getting the power of the consulting part of me. And it's not going to turn up so that readers are going to hit that schedule a call button or whatever it is you want them uh, as much as you'd like. Yeah. It all sounds so simple when you, when you talk about it, right? It's just, it's so obvious. Like, who are you helping? What's the problem? You know, how, how do you help them? Why does it matter? It's just the basics but I don't know, so many people either 
don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know how to answer any of that. Or they do, but they don't know how to put that into the right words on a website or on whatever marketing platform they're using. And it's just, I call them wandering brands. They're just, mm, they don't mm. have a grasp on right one of those things. And uh, it's so powerful, the work that you do. And in a lot of ways, you're like, not to um, fanboy here, but you are basically, in a lot of ways, what I aspire to be in the next couple of years. And I'm really working my way towards that. You know, I help people with, with their brand message, their brand story, brand design. I kind of do all of it. What? So you focus on the writing, the copywriting. Um, what role does design play in the bigger picture? And do you have a hand? What what hand do you have in that? Right, right. Okay, so I'm going to answer that question, and I'm going to address a point uh, you made just before you asked the question, which is I focus on copy and. It's true, but I'm I'm focused on sales. Like I focus on helping them get more clear about their business than ever before and then using words that work as well as their business. And yes, some of that stuff is the things that show up on homepages, lead magnets, case studies, but it's also the words that come out of their mouth in sales calls and in emails that they respond to. It's using those words from the fact sheet and from the copy and repurposing that in so many different ways that um, my goal is to help people build a business. And and I, if you go to the bottom of the footer of any one of my pages, I have a bunch of social media icons. I have them X'd out. I'm not necessarily making the, 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 the statement poo-pooing those. I'm just saying I've built a business without doing any SEO, blogging, and a number of stuff. I'm not saying that's what businesses should do. But what I am saying is I drag people's eyeballs one by one to my site, and I've built a business, and I want the same for my clients, to be so clear in their sales calls and in their web pages that even referrals that come to them, you got to get them to your web page because those will answer questions better than they do on the phone. And then it will even help them. So when someone talks to them, they're already a cold lead turned warm because like, oh, I get it. Yes, I want to talk to you. And the conversations are better. So I had to, I had to slip that in there because sales is a big part of like what I'm trying to help uh, clients with. Um, as far as the design, and, and yes, the process is really very simple. Uh, every, so you spotted it, and, and that's how it's supposed to be. I want to help people that never have to feel overwhelmed uh, for their small business or medium-sized business. But um, the design is simple, too. I, I bring in a designer, and we already have a mock-up with the copy, and uh, I put placeholders in there. And then it's easy for any designer, whether it's mine or the client's, um, to take that and make it beautiful. And so there's a simple process for, you know, iterating through that so the client can see a few sections of the page at a time. We want to nail the first part, you know, the color schemes. Should it be photos versus illustrative um, font size and type? And so those things we nail. And then we go down the page. And really, in about five days, the design is done. And then it's a matter of giving it to, again, their developers or having my guy do it. Incredible. <laughs> all about all about process. It seems like you have a process. Bill and I talk about this a lot. Uh, if you have a process, then your your um, turnaround time is smaller. The outcome is better. Everyone's happier. It just got to build out that process. Rely on that. I think for my software engineering background it helped me with process, but it's also to this mindset. I've I've always been very focused on process and keep. It's not about what you add, it's about what you remove. 
so that you can keep it simple and keep it effective. And you know what? I'd rather be more incomplete, for instance, for a for the fact sheet or in words. I'd rather be not complete but be clear because there's a big gain in that. So, again, for a lot of things, it's about not what you have put in. It's about what you remove. Can you say that to Miles one more time? <laughs> uh, Are you the guy who, who wants to remove stuff and Miles is the guy who wants to add? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that in the course of this podcast. <laughs> but uh, this process thing, I think it's really, I think it's really big because uh, you know, Miles and I, in most of our conversations and in conversations with guests and conversations about marketing, you will hear us push back, rail against, make fun of uh, this push to scale everything. Scale, 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 scale. How about process? How about instead of worrying about scaling something, why don't you create a process that you can repeat? Why don't you do that first? And then if there's something to scale and you really want to, maybe you can do that. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I had a boss once years ago said, "Hey, before we automate anything, we've got to we've got to make sure we understand what we're doing and do it well." And uh, I I love process and I love automation. And yet, for me as a freelancer, um, I have a series of macros. And clients clients now are asking me to 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 help them automate. Like like, gosh, Todd, when when from the moment we we reached out to you. We got this email. It was really clear, and it said next steps. And then we sent an invoice, and then it said next steps about like setting up the project folder. And like we want that kind of automation. Well, <laughs> little do they know, all I'm doing is I get an email, but I've seen patterns, so I write a macro, and then I just pop the macro in there. So yes, is it? It's not automated to where the system is just sending them out, but I get an email, and I hit the right macro, and boom, it goes out to them in seconds. Um, so that's an example of me first just seeing a pattern and then creating macros to, to, to encapsulate the process and then using it in a way that's quick to the, to the recipients. It looks like it's all automated. Um, and, and then maybe there'll be a day where I actually do automate those. But for now, there's no reason for me to scale it. That, that has solved my scalability issue. So I think it's about breaking it up doing one step at a time and 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 then getting it right and then figuring out the scalability problem, which is exactly what I think you're saying, Bill. I mean, you said it yourself. You I forget how you put it. It was it was cool. It was uh you just drag one pair of eyeballs at a time to your website and then the website does the work. And you're not that's just exactly what the point is you don't need to scale by getting in front of thousands of people. And, and that's really hard to do anyway. You're better off just taking your time, slowing down and just focusing on each person at a time and then going from there. I really love that. It's a good reminder. All right, Todd Clark. So how do you do that? How do you go find a pair of eyes and drag it in front of your website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm a copywriter, so I try to use it as an unfair advantage. Um, so I reach, I, I, I bought a program years ago for like a couple thousand dollars, but I, you know, it, it, like how to, how to use LinkedIn. And so I started doing it and it's, it was about like, um, connecting with people on LinkedIn and, uh, 
uh, asking them to request and connect, but giving them good reason, um, sending a thank you note, and all this was fairly automated. They had a tool that, um, and then and then over the next number of weeks, um, you know, maybe two weeks at a time, sending a note that was brief, that shared an article on the web that I think they would help them with their business without asking anything in return. It was all about just sharing something, some goodness. And then maybe by about the 12th week, the sixth email, hey, we've been connected for a while. Um, here's how I think I could help you. How about we talk next Tuesday or Wednesday at 9 a.m. for 20 minutes? And um, and then, but, but what I saw was I wanted to use my, they kind of had templates, but then I started using my abilities to make those uh, better and giving people a reason to connect. I didn't, you know, it's a really thoughtful note that I send out. Yes, it's 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 um it's part of a template, but I'm trying to do this. And and if someone says, "Oh, I'm not interested," or or, or uh, remove me from, great, great. You know, I feel like yeah, I'm probably a spammer in a way, but with a conscience. And it's because I think my product's so good that people are getting value, and um, so I'm 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 good with it all. And and that's how I built my business on LinkedIn. And now I'm looking at other ways as well. Well, I ask because I get a lot of unsolicited emails from LinkedIn. And I think the interesting thing to me about it is most of them are complete and utter crap. But I've had maybe two that I actually keep them for a while. And I go back and I look at them again. Like, huh, am I actually interested in this? <laughs> because it pe- it actually piqued my interest for a second, you know? Um, and I mean, that's... I think anybody who's on LinkedIn knows they're going to get those emails. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I think a lot of people are trying, they accept stuff too, because they're just like, oh, the more followers and stuff I can right. have. But, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, again, it, it's back to whatever I'm writing, there's a story to tell. Like, oh, are you, even even if it's in a, a, a pitch line, like I, and that's another part of story brand that I love. They have these pitch lines, but even in a, in a pitch line, it's usually about three sentences and I have tons of examples on my site, but even at that, you know, you can, you, it's so, uh, what's the problem? What's, how do you solve it? What is success look like? You, you can do that sometimes in a sentence, but certainly in three. So, uh, I think my point was that even when I'm writing these short notes to people on LinkedIn, it's about them. It's about, are you experiencing this? I can help now or later, and they're not asking them to do anything other than if they want to accept the connection up front. Um, oh, so, Todd, you just totally, you just had all of that make sense. I realize now when I'm thinking about it, because I just saw one this morning. Almost every single email that I get unsolicited from LinkedIn is completely about the person who is emailing me and not about me. It's them sending me a note to tell me about them and what they do. Yes. And and like I said, no one cares what you or I or they do. People only care what they get from what they do. And that's what they need to be speaking about. All of us. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. Sound like you just had a, 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 a ha. And, I and, did. I mean, you know what? When you go to the market, like the outdoor market, these people sell rutabaker beer. Bakers. Uh, these people sell lemons. These people sell celery sticks. What, you know, you go and you know it's obvious. They're so clear, like what they offer, and you just get to make choices. So yes, there's a place in the world for all of us on the web to be clear, 
And because then people can make choices, you know, it's not like we have to outcompete someone else. There's plenty of the pie. If we were all clearer, um, then then our readers and our our potential buyers, it would just be obvious to them. And then we would uh, everyone would be making better choices. So and not getting burned as much. So that's how I think of it is the outdoor market. I love that. So your work, would you say that it is creative work in any capacity or or every capacity Mm. or is it like technical it's not very creative you're just following the process oh you're such a curious sort miles good questions uh um there's a lot of creative aspects for sure and there's a lot of linear and like i say i try to be conscious about like i'm in the process of doing the linear i.e the fact sheet in many cases right boom like it's just about clarity and getting substance and significance, clearly answering, identifying the right questions and answering them clearly. So then I can free up my mind and do more of the creative on the writing side. Um, but also, even yesterday, like I love over-delivering. I love uh, uh, creating email signatures for clients afterwards that just show up. I, I beautify the fact sheet. I have a... Um, I mean, I've automated, not automated, but I've refined this. So I have templates. And so what shows up to them is like these beautiful fact sheets, abbreviated ones um, that I want them to keep nearby for their sales calls and for other things. But what I love doing about it, and I was noticing this yesterday, is that gives me time to do part of the creative process that I love too. Like sometimes that's just what I'm going to do for a few hours. I'm going to churn that stuff out for my most recent clients because I get to do the creative part of my job. And it shows up as something, you know, really nice looking and special and over-delivered because they didn't expect it. So there's so many ways for me to be able to do creative. And I do a lot of the design for my site and stuff. But as far as for for billable work that clients get, yeah, the creativity is in is in delivering all those, but in and also in the words and and again, the more the more the client is willing to let their hair go down. Uh, because we define the right adjectives for their business. For my site, it's irreverent and bold and casual and humorous. Uh, you know, for someone else, it may be different, but as long as it's not formal, um, because you know those kinds of words we've talked about, and that's kind of so. Um, so yeah, that's there's plenty of places for creativity. The world is overwhelming. We're constantly being pulled in a million directions, and it's only going to get worse. So much of what we're sold online is about planning, strategizing, and thinking. But doing is the hardest and most important part. The box is where projects get finished. In the box, you'll organize, prioritize your projects, and finish what you start. You won't learn anything new. You'll simply get a lot done and be a part of a small community of doers. Go to theboxworkshop.com. I think you're illustrating something really cool in that all creative work has a process. You know, Miles and I talk about it. I think it first came up with us in this terminology, the box. And so we created this thing called the box. But it's because creative work needs some kind of process, some kind of structure, some kind of something. Even if all we're talking about your process is you go sit in the same place every day for 30 minutes and write something or do whatever you do, that's still a process. There's a a linear thing to that that's no different to me than your fact sheet. You know, you get that fact sheet 
And that allows you to then do the creative part. I know for, uh, um, like for songwriting, Mm -hmm. if you just tell me, Hey, Bill, write a song. I, I'll get back to you someday. But if you can tell me what you want me to write it about and maybe give me some story about it and some information about it, I'm on it. I'll get it. I'll do it right now. And it sounds like a very similar process. Yeah, I would agree. And I think maybe a point in there that you made me think about, Bill, is so much creativity is is about having limits and having constraints. Yes. Yes. So I think by, you know, if someone says, oh, just write me a song, Bill, well, wow, that's pretty vast. But when you you ask them those questions, you're like automatically putting constraints on it, which is a good thing. It, it allows you to be focused. Um, so, yeah, I think and that's a process, like you're saying, that's the that's part of the process. It's it's limiting things in many ways. Um, I, I do love as far as, you know. Left brain, right brain, I forget which is which, so sometimes I see linear versus creative. Um, writer's, writer's block is a myth. I, it, 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 it truly happens. I'm not denying that it doesn't happen to people. But the fact that it's a thing in a way is a myth because um, here's what I do if I'm ever – well, first of all, it's, we're talking about having a structure in place. So that's part of it. And, and by the way, when I use the term the fact sheet – I have all versions of mini fact sheets. When I write an email, sometimes I'll just put at the top of the email, what's the purpose of this? Other times, if I'm writing a little more significant, I might write like those four questions uh, up at the top of the email, you know, oh, what's the problem? Who's having it? How does it make them feel? What, does, uh, what do I do to solve it? What does success? I'll, and then I'll answer those. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to write the email. Like it can happen in, all over the place in our lives. And I love it. Um, uh, but at other times, like, I'll just barf it out. I'll just write and my fingers are on the keyboard and my screen is off and I don't care about sentence structure or, or uh, spelling or grammar. I'm just, and I got to keep my fingers moving. Even if I look at the wall, the ceiling and just say ceiling, whatever it is, but you do that for a few minutes on a particular topic and boy, the beauty that shows up, then you go back and look over it because you allowed your mind to just think freely and then pick pieces out and then go into linear mode to, give it some structure. So sometimes you can attack things from the complete opposite end. I love that. <laughs> barf it out. I, I love barfing barf it out. It, when That's... in doubt, barf it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, love one of it. My, my favorite things to do is just open up a dock and just let it go. It's, it's almost like, um, I don't know, it's like a form of journaling. You're just letting it flow. It's messy. It's ugly. But that's a lot of times how you can arrive to the juicy, the, the juice. Um, I have I have an interesting one for you. So just yesterday I was talking to a friend and he is um, going through, you know, he's in a program, the kind of a business program that's helping him understand, you know, the typical, the target audience and your message and marketing and all that stuff. And he is wrestling with it and he can't quite figure it out. You know, he has one of those bios right now. That's like, I help empower, um, you know, business owners to, you know, 90, 10 K in 90 days, like that kind of formulaic bio. 
uh, in his in his Instagram handle or whatever his Instagram bio, and I was telling him that it sounds very formulaic, and we were just kind of jamming on some ideas, and he had this question of, I feel like I've been working at it for a while. I'm getting closer. How do I know when I'm there? Like, how do I know when I've arrived at clarity with and specifically with this like one liner thing that he has? Kind of trying to boil it all down to that. I know I just threw a lot at you, but what have you seen as like that finish line for your clients that they can wrap their mind around it, they feel good about it, they can run with it? Oh wow, nice question. Um, I uh, I have a, a so this isn't meant to be a plug, but I don't mind if it is. Um, uh, on my site, there's a, a menu item called freebies. And I have these guides because I've seen people struggle with this. And, and yes, I want people to pay me money to help them get clear. I love doing it. But I want people to help themselves as well. So I have these guides. And they kind of help you and show the, the process for how to get clear in many of the ways we're talking about, answering those questions with examples like for my business as a guide. Now, the the the... the the important part of your question also is that how do you know when you're done? Well, um, I mean, guys, if nothing else from this call, because this is probably the sixth time I'm going to say it again, you know, what's the problem? Who's having it? How does it make them feel? What do you do to solve those? What does success look like? If you answer those clearly at a minimum, you're done. And 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 uh, so people struggle with their bios because oh what do I write and say about myself? Well, you got to start with the problem. Are you experiencing this, or are you struggling with? The, great. Here's I, and that must make you feel this way. Here's how I help. I mean, that that's it. You you those questions answer them first, then write. And if you've covered those components at a minimum, you're done. I love it. it it's interesting, Miles. Your friend who has his one-liner. That mm. one-liner is about him. Yeah, I help. Here's what I do. Yeah, it's so true. It's not about anybody else. That's There's a really... place for that, but it's got to be at the right... That's not what you yeah, start with. Yeah, it's not the first thing. Right. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, I, I want to just back up a little bit. Is there anyone who's ever been able to write something and start with it and it's about them and it works? Oh, probably. Uh, of so, course. But yeah. but yeah. So I, I, I kind of just want to walk back my... It's, it can never work. Well... It, I th I think um, it's not about whether that can work because it, it certainly does work for some people in some industries. I think it used to work a whole lot more than it does now, you know, back in the, in the more wild west days of the internet mm -hmm. and selling products, services, et cetera. But nowadays, not only I think it, does it come off as a little yucky, uh, but it just doesn't, it's the whole purpose of our podcast. It doesn't work for everybody. I don't want to stand up and go, look at me, look at me, look at me, look how great I am. Look the, at this thing I'll do for you. That's annoying. Um, I don't, and, and it doesn't, that's not my personality. I can't do that. <laughs> so it, it's a much better fit to to look at it the way you're talking about it, which is, okay, wait a minute, I help people. How do I do that? You know, what's the problem they have? What can I, what do I do to help them? Instead of, hey, I'm great. You should hire me. Absolutely. And yes, and I'll add to that very well expressed set of thoughts, Bill, that 
when we do those things, again, it just it just makes us look like a commodity because so many others are doing it the same way, and we just appear as a commodity. But again, if we're being real and frank and honest, then it's back to that example of the outdoor market. Like, okay, I understand, I get it, I get it, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it, it sounds to me like one of the things that you point towards is, and I'm I'm going I'm going to use one of those words that you that you don't want to put on a website. But, because uh, I don't know how else to say it in this moment, but it's really authenticity, like actually being yourself, actually representing yourself as who you are, not as who you think you need to represent yourself as to get clients or to get business or to sell whatever it is you're selling. Yeah, that's that. So the words that I use for that is I, uh, I help businesses sound real, not fake. Real. Yeah. Real, not yeah. fake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because jargon is a beast. And, I've uh, told uh, the story on this podcast too many times probably, but when I first started talking to Miles, uh, it's because it was in the middle of the pandemic and I had sworn off all things internet marketing. I do not market my business on the internet in any way. I didn't even have a website for my coaching business because I'm like, why? I'm not doing that. Because every time I would go to create something like that and I'd get some help around it, I would end up with a bunch of stuff on a page that doesn't sound like me, that sounds like me trying to sell something. And not only was it ineffective, it made me feel bad. <laughs> mm, right, right, right. Yeah. It's like, that's not me. I don't want to put that out there. Yeah. Exactly. And I had just gone through that again. I did all this work and that's what I ended up with. And I just sat there and stared at it like, okay, that was four months of me creating something that doesn't sound like me. There has to be another way. And, and I love the fact that I'm now finding all these people, certainly now yourself included, who not only agree... <laughs> but are finding ways to to make that happen for people. Yeah, I I think it's funny, uh, guys. I'm sure you see the same thing. the 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 people we do business with, um, uh, they're they're in the clarity business in many ways for their clients, and yet it's so hard to do for yourself when you're close to it. But the bigger problem is not having the process like what we're talking about. So, um, you had a, yeah. Uh, and, and so my, my, my number one guide is, uh, uh, it's called the clarify your business, the fact sheet guide. And that's the number one thing I'm trying to get in front of people so that they have the ability to, you know, know what questions to ask themselves and examples of how to answer them so clearly and in plain English so that they won't struggle for years or, or weeks, like this is something that can be in days, but I still, you know, it still takes, it's still maybe hard for people to answer that themselves. That's why I, I like sharing that because I know I have a skill that will, you know, it won't go, I won't put myself out of business by putting out these guides because there, there it does seem to be some type of innate skill to it, but it will, you can still sound, I want people to still understand they can do better 90% of the messages on the, on the internet by, right by going right. through this process. I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to share that with our audience and I'd like to check it out myself. 
So as a person who, I can't tell, usually I can tell by this point in the interview, but as a person who is is a solopreneur, and generally works in a chair from your computer, I'm assuming. That's <laughs> what it looks like. Would you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted? Whoa, good question. Before I answer that, what do you think is the definition of introverted mm. and extroverted? Well, that's great. So uh, I'll tell you what <laughs> I think the definition is, and it may not be the actual definition, but to me, uh, introverted is does not necessarily need to be around people to get energy and extroverted is absolutely has to be around people to get to recharge uh, right yeah to recharge get energy for life and i'm a little bit in the middle myself i am perfectly good by myself doing my thing it's all right um i can flip the switch and be around people are you a gemini no, oh, Leo. Okay. All right. But then when I'm done with that, I have to go away. And then I got to be by myself for a little bit. Right. To, to right. get it back together. Oh, yeah. So that's good. That That's how I, I, I didn't know. You know, I just thought introvert, right? I think most of us are kind of someone who's a little closed and extrovert is someone who's, you know, gregarious. And in a certain way, that probably still applies. But no, I agree with the definition you, you mentioned. And I thought I was always an extrovert, but then I thought, oh, no, I love going out in the nature and getting recharged and doing road trips for weeks, months at a time. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm an introvert because that's how I like to recharge. But I realized even when I go out, I love having a, a bottle of wine at camp time and I talk, you know, and I, 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 I meet people at picnic benches and talk and have great conversations and that's how I recharge. Um, so yes, I work at home. I'm, I think it's terrible that it took a pandemic to slap uh, ourselves businesses that, Hey, you got to have at least a hybrid model. People love it. And, and, but it's all up to all of us to get the social contact or, and I get plenty of it. I make sure I stay in touch with friends. I call people a lot. Um, I'm active in, in sports and athletics. And so I, and, and I, and, you know, we, we get to recharge and we get to do these kinds of things. You know, I, I love using the tools that are available. And once someone said, well, Todd, before I work together, I've got to meet you. And I said, Joe, here's the thing. If I can't clearly explain to you how I can help you with your business, then fire me before you hire me. Um, (laughs) You know, so click, you (laughs) <laughs> he fired me, but that's okay. You know, it's like, again, uh, outdoor market, be clear. People get choices, but the tools are there. So there's all kinds of ways to recharge. I make sure I do them. It's a very important part of my life, but I love doing 100% remote work. Awesome. I'd love to unpack the uh, a few things there with uh, recharging. So you mentioned skateboarding, camping, road tripping. What else do you like to do to, to kind of well, I guess live your life outside of work and, and recharge. There's some banjos on the wall there. I'm I was going to say, I thought I saw banjos in a picture. So <laughs> I'm in at, ha- at home banjo hack. Uh, uh, I'm a very liberal contemporary guy, but a banjo was always in my psyche when I grew up in LA because a childhood friend played it. And then when I decided that, oh, I'm going to play. And- so yeah, I decided to do that. Um, but I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm 64. And I got in the parent game late. I have some young kids. But I'm active. I, uh, so yes, I started skateboarding a year and a half ago. I'm way into it. 
but I've been an athlete my whole life. And so, uh, you know, yesterday, yesterday I was shooting buckets. I keep balls in the car. I keep Frisbees in the car. Lots of toys. We're always playing. Uh, lately, I've taught myself how to shoot the basketball left-handed, how to throw a baseball left-handed. Like, I'm just trying to teach my mind, send signals to my brain that I'm still an athlete and I keep moving and that um, um, that's important to me. And then also as part of aging, which wasn't really a question, but I believe that like, you know, in being able to age gracefully and with dignity and with vibrance um, and energy is that uh, um, it, it's not just about learning new things. What I'm trying to focus on is learning to behave in new ways because we can all just learn things. But, you know, especially as you get older, you get in the habits. And so I, I'm really focused on teaching myself to not just learn new things, but to learn new ways to behave. And I think that's a big part of like uh, uh, aging with the way I had mentioned. Oh, Todd, we may have to have you back and just talk about that for an hour. Are you kidding yeah, I love me? The topic. That's, cool. yeah. That's fantastic. You know, I mean, wow. it, so really the other thing that you just pointed out is you, you changed careers in your late fifties. Uh, uh, and that wasn't the first time. I believe yeah. we should often redefine ourselves. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah, yeah. it's and yeah. it can happen in, in lots of ways. Like I said, even the little things, like t teaching myself certain things left-handed. Uh, somehow I want to put a whole package together to help people as they age. For me, athletics has been a big part of it, but there's other things too. And, and just as examples for how people can learn new ways to behave and learn new ways to learn and uh and they can be small or big or whatever it's not about the size it's about like you know interest what, whatever interests you and and then uh learning how to listen to your own voice and not be dependent on the voices of the messages we've got because we've grown up what we learned in school or or advertising or you know oh you're supposed to be productive and here's what it looks like is that your voice so that's a big one to me too is that my voice i'm hearing or is that this voice that it's kind of been fed to me i think it's really important to to ask ourselves that question and differentiate. When you talk about the voice that has been fed to us, and uh, I'm sure, given that you're 64, I'm 56, though my parents uh, were much older. They had me late in life. I had mm. children late in life. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I grew up with that idea that by the time you're our age, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, like you're done. Like right. for some reason you're yeah. done working, or you've had your yes. career and what have you. I've never felt like that myself. Like that that was a fit for me. Good. But I have a lot of clients in that age range. Yes, and it's really interesting to hear how people think about that. Like I want to retire, and I'm like, what does that even mean? What does that yes. mean? That's you're right. you're going to go sit somewhere and do nothing? That sounds awful. You know, I mean, it sounds good for a couple of days, maybe a month, but other than that, no, you know, that, that's nutty. Uh, so to, to have you uh, as an example of not only can you change careers, but you can thrive and you can keep growing and learning and progressing for as long as you want to. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I think it's so important. And for young people, uh, Miles and others. I, I I think that one of the keys is 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 always having hobbies or or pursuing interests in whatever. Because you know I I think too many people they come into retirement and and their identity is just wrapped up in 
they were a parent, and here's what it looked like at work. And they didn't develop the other parts of them along the way. They were too busy. And luckily, I think that's more of my the baby boom generation and less so. But then people get so busy. So it's really important, you know, young people out there, like, develop yourselves, develop your interests, do more, spend more time doing fun things. And, and, and so that you can develop those your whole life and they'll be part of you instead of something you have to figure out when you're, you know, 55 or 60 or 65. That's hard to do. Yeah. And well, we'll have to grab a beer and hit the skate park some, sometime do you, soon. Do you skate? Uh, it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, I used to. Wow. I snowboard. That's I still do that, but I don't know if I would get on. I would ride it a little bit, but I'd be very cautious. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'd watch you. I'd, I'd cheer you on. <laughs> well, I sure have enjoyed this. Wow, and I'd like to be able to ask you some questions more. I feel like you know it was kind of center stage, but wow, what a nice chat. Yeah, well, we can we can continue it offline. Yes, um, and. Yeah, I guess best place to send people that want to learn more about you is, is your website. It's meant, that's what it's there for. You bet. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, Todd. Thanks for coming on. Uh, hey, thank you. Bill, Miles, great talking with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening today. We can't do this without the support of our listeners. So please leave us a review or sign up for our newsletter at subtleartofnotyelling.com.